I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Since Thanksgiving, I have been at a lot of tables with a lot of people and talked about a lot of things. That's what the holidays are all about, and frankly, it's usually what we remember most. We might forget the first present we opened or who was the first person to arrive, but we can almost always remember those tableside discussions. A lot of things happened in 2016 that warranted conversations at those particular tables. The deaths of celebrities and cultural icons and transformative leaders. The rise in popularity of strange things like Pokemon Go and the Netflix hit Stranger Things and Bruno Mars' 24-karat magic. There was the never-ending saga of suffering in Syria, the increase in terrorist-related events throughout the world, and the ever-thinning ice-like situation in the Middle East. There were a lot of movies like the incredible Rogue One and the magical Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and the vibrant color palette of trolls. But do you know what we talked about more than anything else? Politics. Politics, politics, politics. And then when you throw me, a pastor, into the fray at those tables, you start mixing together the real forbidden topics of conversation. So I've learned over the years to keep my mouth shut. Whether I agree with a particularly political policy or not, I nod my head along with the speaker regardless of their position, and then I rein myself in to sit in silence. In the last few months, I've been at tables where people bashed the political rhetoric of the Republican Party. I listened to people reimagine a new platform for the Democratic Party with notes hastily written on cocktail napkins. I watched people force index fingers at others while berating the likes of Bashar al-Assad and Vladimir Putin. I've heard people place bets on how long it will take Donald Trump to build a fence at the border with Mexico. And I've seen people cry, tears of pain and tears of joy, while talking about the political future of the United States of America. But I heard something the other day that I can't get out of my head, one theologically politicized statement that has rattled my brain ever since. And it went like this. Did you hear what Franklin Graham said? You mean the son of Billy Graham? Yes, him. No, what did he say? He said that it wasn't the Russians who intervened in the presidential election. It was God. Now, before we really get into this, I want to be very clear. Donald Trump is going to be the president of the United States. That is a fact. And even though we now live in this so-called time of post-truth, the truth is Donald Trump is going to be president. But how Donald Trump became president is something we should talk about, particularly when one of the leading Christian evangelists in our country can say something like, God made Donald Trump president. Everything happens for a reason. It's one of the dumb things Christians like to say. It's true, of course, in the sense that actions have consequences. If I step down from this pulpit and I walk all the way to the back to the 
breaker box we have and I flip the switch, all of the lights will turn out in the sanctuary. If plants do not receive enough moisture and sunlight, they will not grow. If I give my wife a mop for Christmas, I'm going to get in trouble. In our scripture that Cindy read for us from Deuteronomy, Moses offers the Israelites something similar. He says, if you choose life and love the Lord, you may live in the land the Lord promised. Actions have consequences. However, the problem with saying something like everything happens for a reason is that we almost always imply that God is the reason that everything happens. So to take our recent election as an example, if God was the one who intervened to make sure that Donald Trump became president, then why was the victory not so lopsided? Or does it mean that everyone who voted for Clinton is a sinner for doing so because they went against God's will? Did God choose not to show up for the Obama elections in 2008 or 2012? If everything happens for a reason, then why did God choose to have Donald Trump elected as president while all sorts of other things, like what's happening in Syria and police shootings here at home, are still happening? And this logic can also be applied to a lot of other things. If everything happens for a reason, then why did one of my best friends die in a car accident when she was a teenager? What is the reason for men who beat their wives or women who abuse their children or children who assault their parents? When we throw out a trite and cliche sentence like, everything happens for a reason, it removes all responsibility from us and puts it all on God. And yet we do believe, we do believe that God is in control that God is the author of salvation, that God continues to move and act in this world of ours. And this is fundamentally at the heart of the strange mystery of what it means to be a disciple. Because on one side we affirm that God rules, and on the other side we affirm that God has given us perfect freedom to live and act in this place that God rules. God has given us freedom to make choices for better and for worse. From the Garden of Eden to the sanctuary here at St. John's this first day of 2017, we are free. And when we do something right or wrong, we can't blame it on God. It is our freedom to choose who we are to be that allows this world to be as strangely beautiful as it is, but it also makes this world as strangely broken and flawed as it is. We are not marionettes being strung along by a divine puppeteer. Instead, God gives each of us, his creatures, a brain, a heart, a soul, so that we can make choices and act in this world. We use things like prayer and the reading of scripture to help us determine how our choices can coincide with God's will, but the choices are ours. All of us know that terrible things happen and they can't be explained. They're a part of life. But we also know that those terrible things don't have the final word. We know that God is working through us, helping us to see and know who we are to be in order to transform this world to look more like his kingdom. And we know that God is the one who has the final word. That's what Christmas and Easter are all about. God came in the world in order to free us from the last vestige that had a hold on us, death. God broke the chains of death's dark shadow in order to guide us into the light of the resurrection we know that even though terrible things happen and will continue to happen, that God's love in Jesus Christ is the final word. 
living in this tension between God's perfect power and sovereignty and our perfect freedom and choice is one of the things that makes being a Christian so challenging. For when we encounter those terrible things that happen in the world, we often vacillate between, oh, everything happens for a reason, or life is meaningless. But as Christians, we're supposed to be somewhere right in the middle. In the early hours of April 15, 1912, more than 100 years ago, the infamous ship named the Titanic sank in the northern Atlantic Ocean. 1,500 people were killed at sea when the ship ran into an iceberg, and it still is one of the worst maritime disasters to have ever happened. And much like other events that grabbed the attention of the world, many pastors felt called to speak about the disaster the following Sunday in order to make sense of the tragedy. In a small, sleepy Swiss village, there was a young pastor named Karl Barth who regularly bored his congregation with long, theologically dense sermons. But the Sunday after the sinking of the Titanic called for something a little more meaningful. He used the beginning of part of the sermon to outline the power of God from creating the cosmos to bringing life to creation. He referenced heavily from the book of Genesis, and he went on and on. But at the end, he said something that grabbed their attention. It went like this. God put that iceberg in the water, but God did not make the captain feel pressured to beat the record time across the Atlantic and thereby neglect to pass slowly and safely through a region filled with large icebergs. God put the iceberg there, but he didn't make the captain run into it. Bart's simple reflection is by no means perfect, but it points toward a better way of understanding everything happens for a reason. Sometimes there are reasons that things happen. People feel tempted to go faster than they should, and it means they run through red lights, or they neglect to check their blind spots, or they run into icebergs. Sometimes people feel disaffected and forgotten by their government, and they come out in droves and subvert the majority of polls and elect a political outsider to the most powerful position in our earthly world. But that doesn't mean that God made a car accident happen. It doesn't mean that God willed the sinking of the Titanic, and it doesn't mean that God had a reason for making Donald Trump the next president of the United States. And sometimes, things happen for no reason at all. Fathers in perfect health and in the prime of their lives die suddenly of heart attacks. Natural disasters like tsunamis and hurricanes come out of nowhere and devastate entire communities. Marriages fall apart for no apparent reason other than the buildup of tiny disagreements that never get settled. And still, there is hope. There is hope because God can work through people like you and me to make the kingdom come here on earth. God still speaks to us through the ancient scriptures to remind us of the importance of ministering to people who are the last and the least and the lost in our society. God places opportunities in our lives so that we can respond to them. And in so doing, we can become the reason that good things happen. God has set before us life and death, blessings and curses. And we have the choice to choose life so that our families and our friends and even strangers may live to love the Lord and obey what he has taught. If we choose the good We may all live in the peace that God promised to God's people from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to David to Isaiah to Jesus to Peter and to Paul. 
So it is good and right for us to be in this place to start a new year here where God makes all things new. Because at this table we receive the spiritual food necessary for the journey of life. We break bread knowing that strange things are afoot in this world, but that God moves in and through people like us to shine as a light in the darkness. We come to the cup and we surround it together knowing that Jesus' sacrifice opens up for us the glory of resurrection and gives us the strength to do incredible things. So hear me when I say that not everything happens for a reason. But sometimes, sometimes God calls us to be the reason something good happens to someone else. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Amen.